Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. I'm actually going to do a normal intro this time, Charlie. So everyone be surprised. Today, yeah, mate, you've got to be professional. We've got a guest here. I know. No, I'm like, no I'm mucking around today. I'm intimidated on this. <laughs> today, we've got Ash Playset. We're going to be talking about a bit about mindset, etc. Now, if you're listening to this and you have not hit up a website called fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter, who are you and who do you think you are? Go and hit it up. Put in your details. We send out updates every single time that we release an episode. And we actually have some Easter eggs coming up that you won't get unless you're on the email list. So that is fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. Now, before we get started, let's cue Charlie, the Yoda, the Vulture, the Neo, Valor's disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, I'm pretty excited for this one. I've got to share a few stories before I, I tee this one up for Ash. So many, many moons ago, I um, sold a business and I was in a stage of my life and I thought, what am I going to do? I'm going to start trading shares and trading options. Um, I, I listened to one of Ash's podcasts, which we'll talk about, and he nailed me. It's like the allure of the share market. Like it had this like draw card onto me and I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, I've got some business skills. Like this is just trading on the ideas of good businesses. Like you just look at a business, you go, all right, if it's a good business, you invest in it, you make some money. Like it sounds great. What I, what I didn't realize is that I was an absolute mess. So what would happen? And I'll give you an example here to highlight this one. This is at a time when like North Korea was – in the news a lot and there was like a threat of like they might launch some missiles or, or do some things. So what's happening is I'm I'm going in to uh, make trades and then I'm watching the news cycle to try and take advantage of, you know, like whatever's going on in the world for my trades, but I'm becoming paranoid that the world's going to end. So I'm, I'm developing this fear, right? I'm literally like, holy crap, there's a guy in North Korea with a button. This could all go to hell. Sell everything. I'm out. I'm out. Done. A- exit trades. <laughs> Great mindset, Charlie. <laughs> then, I'd, then I'd ring the guy that's teaching me, and I'm like, "Are you out? Are you, are you you're like you, you've heard right?" And he's like, "Charlie, you, you realize trading isn't just about the businesses, right? You have to like manage your own emotional states." And like he he, he told me about this thing of like trading psychology, and like I'm like. Right. So, and then we go into things which we see like FOMO. I'm sure we've heard of FOMO. Right. He's like, what people do is like they FOMO into the market and then they panic sell. And he goes like, you know, all the smart people are buying off the panic sellers. You're the panic seller. And I'm like, oh. I decided I wasn't emotionally fit to trade and I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the point being is like I, that's how I discovered what trading psychology is and that's my little story there. I recently found Ash's YouTube channel and I'm like, holy smokes, you have absolutely nailed me. And this is my tee up to bring in Ash. Welcome to the show. I think you have a phenomenal channel and what you do. Can you please tell us a little bit about what you do and what trading psychology is and how it potentially applies to business owners? Ah, fantastic. Oh, I love that intro, Charlie. And hey, welcome to the world of herd behavior, right? Um, this, is, this is the great lesson of trading. It's like 
what is collective human behavior? It's when everybody follows everybody else. And the only way you can make money trading is to be the opposite of herd behavior. We'll get into that a little bit more in a minute, maybe. But yeah, look, uh, I've always been an amateur psychologist, I guess, um, going back to you know careers in finance. Um, so trading naturally appealed to me uh, way back in the 90s. I got into it in the 90s because it's it's numbers, it's money, it's people, it's psychology, all the things that I'm interested in. That's similar to you. I had a bit of a journey, made money, lost money, made money, lost money, consumed a huge amount of knowledge, and I was on a path that you get taught as a child, right? The way to the way to get ahead in life is to work harder, learn more, and have more knowledge than anybody else. That's going to be your edge. And it took a real smack in the head, which happened to me in 2011 when I got busted, blown up to smithereens, and uh, I had to go away and put myself back together piece by piece and figure out it can't be just knowledge. It's got to be something else, and that's when the whole you know, awakening of self-awareness and, uh, and my own psychology and understanding how my brain works led me down this path of... <laughs> curiosity, fascination, obsession, one might say, for my own trading, and I figured that out. And then I thought, you know what? There's got to be a lot of other people out there that this information would be useful to. So that's what I do. You know, obviously, I coach people around psychology. I don't teach people systems and methods. Um, there's a there's a thousand system and methods that work. Pick one and then get your mind fit. So the whole mental fitness movement or the whole mental fitness idea is about, well, you know, if you're going to run a marathon, you've got to get your body fit right, and we know how to train. But when it comes to mental fitness for trading, who's teaching that? Who's teaching people how to take the brain they bring to trading and transform it into the brain they need for trading? Because they're actually diametrically opposite. This is, Charlie, this is exactly what smacked you, mate, too, is you bring in this successful brain. Oh, I've been good at sport. I was the head of the debating team at school. You know, I've run a marathon. I've set up a business. I've done this. I've done that. Oh, I'm a successful person. I can apply that successful thinking to trading. And all of a sudden, you hit this brick wall and you keep doing crazy things and you wonder why, right? And it's very, very damaging to one's um, identity to, to, you know, to hit that brick wall. So yeah, there's a long answer to a short question. You know, I <laughs> I, I, uh, I I do I love it. I love trade. Trading is the greatest endeavor on the planet um, because it pits you against millions of other people in a zero sum game where to make a dollar, somebody else has to lose a dollar. Um, there's I think by estimates there's six trillion dollars change hands every day. So that's a you know you don't need a lot of that. Um, but yes, it is a very seductive. Um, mistress trading it does lure a lot of people in mate and a lot of people you know i'm siren it's the siren of the sea mate and it leads you out to crash you on the rocks right that's what happens and everybody gets crashed on the rocks and it's always psychology it's not knowledge it's not system it's not methodology it's not a hundred squiggly lines on a chart it's figuring out how your brain works and then doing the work to change it and it's bloody hard work I feel like I should make this list right. I feel like golf and trading and jujitsu 
It's like they're these very like humbling pursuits, right? Where you get the ability to get your ass handed to you is just say, high, it's, right? It's because you get your ass kicked all the time. Yeah, absolutely. But Ash, one of the things that makes you even more interesting in my world is like, yes, you've got this uh, outrageously good understanding and skills around psychology, but you've actually done a lot of work with business owners as well. The way we actually connected was at a uh, business mastermind event where you are one of the mentors in that group and we're helping many of the business owners with their mindset as well. The thing that I find really relatable and I've been able to observe because I have played a little bit in the trading world is just how much of this trading psychology applies to business owners. And I'll use an example here, but I'd love to hear what you see around this as well. So the business owner that's stuck that keeps trying to find a tactic business skill to solve things, but never actually does the work on themselves. Right, so they never work on their own psychology or build any of the skills in that region, but they're just like, great, I'm going to learn TikTok ads. Oh, if I just did a podcast. Oh, if, like they play this like tactical pursuit of chasing the next system rather than ever developing their own like uh, skill set in this reign. Now, that's my observation. What have you seen? Yeah, I uh, one of my little throwaway analogies is, you know, um, self-mastery and business mastery are indivisible from trading mastery. So this this journey of figuring out how to be a successful trader, the greatest lesson that you get from it is about yourself, about your inner world and, and how to reconfigure it to be uh, – more applicable to the endeavour you're pursuing. So when it comes to business, I've seen this a lot, particularly around shiny object syndrome, SOS. You know, shiny object syndrome, that constant pursuit of something external that you can bring in that'll be the change maker. I'm, look, I'm looking at you, Grant. Dude, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm turning my camera off. Like, this is, I'm out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hands up. Who, who, who hasn't built Frankenstein's monster before? Like, you know, that's we end up with that in business. And I'm sure you'll be some of your listeners out there going, you know, you cobble together this, you cobble together that. And all of a sudden, you've got this homo- homogenous collection of bits and pieces that you think at any given time, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Oh, I heard this. Oh, I heard that. And they all potentially work. That's the that's the, the thinking exercise that challenges people. Actually, all of them work. Like TikTok, TikTok ads work, as you yeah, well we're, know. We're crushing it with them. It's working but really well for us. Of course, of course <laughs> they work. Good mindset, though, Charlie. It's all about it. But where do they fit into the bigger picture strategy and the timing? So, and I think this is really for business owners is to understand, you know, where where are you at on the inner path, and where do these external pieces fit? And that was the, the greatest, I guess, self-discovery for me because obviously trading um, is a passion of mine and psychology, but obviously business as well. I've started and exited five or six different business businesses. I'm involved in a couple of businesses outside of trading because I love the process of creating something and bringing it to life, but you've got to be prepared to learn and grow and see see failure as your great teacher or to see errors or mistakes as a great teacher. And I think that really challenges a lot of people, you know, to understand how to accept error and failure and pain, you know, as a teacher. Success teaches you squat, right? What does success teach you? Nothing. It just teaches you that, you know, you're awesome. Great. But, you I'm, know. I'm fine with that, Ash. That's fine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Who's not fine with being awesome, right? But it doesn't teach you anything. You know, pain 
pain forces you to learn or perish, right? So, so are, pain's so a great what teacher. The, what is the mentality that, like, for all us business owners, everyone's listened to this, has shiny object syndrome, why? Is it because we're not happy with what we've got because we think that the grass on the other side of the fence is always going to be better? Like, where does this come from? Gr- greed? No, Charlie, I'm not greedy. No, sh- <laughs> well, how deep do you want to go down the biological rabbit hole on this, Grant? Hey, um, take me on a journey know, on this one. Hey, no hey, well, listen, strap yourself in, baby, because uh, – but look, why why do we seek, seek external solutions? A lot of it comes down to how our brain evolved, and I'll just get a little bit anthropological on you, is, you know, we all have this brain that is evolved to seek survival, also known as certainty, in the short term. So that's the survival impulse. Any any threat, any change in our environment triggers our brain to seek a solution that preserves life. Now, to our brain, life or threat or money on the line or some external scenario is inseparable from threat to life. So for our brains, our brain is constantly getting triggered into seeking solutions to the un- the pain of uncertainty, right? Can, can we use an example of that? So if someone, let's say mm-hmm. someone's trading and they're mm-hmm. like, they put a trade on, so they're risking money in this case here. Yes. The idea of losing that money is firing that survival brain. Correct. Or could potentially. Is that is that right? Can you set that up? Yeah, so what happens in that scenario, and particularly the compressed environment of trading, where the the survival brain, the emotional brain, triggers to fight flight in about 0.06 of a second, so about six nanoseconds. The rational brain doesn't come online till about you know 0.25 of a second. So in this flash of a heartbeat, the moment that your survival brain, your emotional brain, perceives a threat, it reroutes everything straight to fight flight to preserve life. Now, your emotional state then overpowers your thinking state. And this is why traders make impulsive decisions, which they step away from later and go, what the hell was I thinking? I've got a system that works. I know it works. I've proven that it works. You know, no, <laughs> why do I keep doing these stupid things? I don't Thank God understand it's only traders, it. not business owners. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to go. How does this apply? So, to trading, I can get the compressed thing because it's a very fast sport. It's like mm. probably one of the fastest sports there is. Where mm-hmm. I think there's even like there's even high frequency trading for the real the real junkies, right? You can yeah, scalping. Yeah, yeah. Um, the point being is when how does this work in the business owner context? Because I would go as far to say I believe I've met people and even been a person that's just been in constant fight or flight because of my business. It's a very high-stress state to, to, to sit in, right? Fight, flight constantly or freeze, which is the freeze, other one. Yeah. So fight, flight, freeze. So you either run, attack, or shrink yourself down to be invisible so the threat goes away. I mean, they're the, the normal threats that I think everybody can relate to. But from a business owner sense, and this, this goes back to what you said, Grant, um, the search for solutions to resolve that uncertainty means that your brain's always looking out for these solutions. So all of a sudden, some marketing genius um, who knows how the human brain works, Charlie, hand, put your hand in there, marketing, <laughs> says, right, I know how the human brain works. I know that people are looking for solutions. I call it the ab cruncher model. 
right? Uh, uh, Ash, I've got right. to jump in on this. Oh, this is a great. So one. what I've been doing is I've actually been posting screenshots of my TikTok results, right, and putting it on Facebook because I know that everyone's a little bit challenged on Facebook right now. And I've just been watching people feel that that like ex- their life could be more certain if they were doing TikTok ads. So this exact thing, you watch them swarm, jumps in. It's it's unbelievable what uh, comes out of that. But continue on. That's a good example. It's a really good example. And marketers have known this for a hundred years. You know how to manipulate human behaviour to get people to make decisions that are not necessarily in their best interests, right? Um, so when it comes to you know your earlier statement, Grant, about you know why why do business owners why do we tend to suffer more from shiny object syndrome? Well, let's let's understand what a business that entrepreneurial journey. You don't generally have a structure around you. You're not you're not in prison where you know what you've got to do at, at any given time of the day. I call that's corporate world essentially. Turn up at this time, sit at this desk, do this job, be reviewed like this. These are the metrics. This is how you're held to account. This is how you justify your job. All of that stuff is laid out. And it's either a prison or it's or, or you or you like that environment. But then you come out into the business world where generally those things dissolve. There's no one telling you what to do. There's no proven pathway. There's no clock on or clock off. There's none of those things. So that very thing that you seek, freedom, actually can become the thing that crushes you because you've got to make all your own decisions. Now, what happens in that environment from a psychological perspective is we're always looking and attracted to things that we think can fix a problem, right? So we're not necessarily thinking strategically big picture. Is that actually what I need for the big picture? Is that actually consistent with where I'm going and what I'm building and what I need? So you can very easily end up with you know, a lot of these things attached around your business and your head. And at a psychological level, it's incredibly um, damaging to your, what I would call your self-belief. Your belief in your own ability to discipline yourself gets constantly chipped away at, chipped away at, chipped away at. And this is one of the big things that we look at with coaching is to help people to understand what's going on and, and to start to rebuild that belief in seeing things through and being able to choose what serves me now versus what doesn't serve me now. I mean, I I would challenge anybody to go to their phone and have a look at how many subscriptions they've got compared to how many they actually use, right? So how many apps have you got on your phone compared to how many you actually use? It's probably one in 10, one in 20. (laughs) I refuse to answer. Is that (laughs) (laughs) on the grounds it may incriminate you? Yeah, correct. (laughs) But look, it's it's quite normal. There's nothing wrong with you. So I would say to business owners, don't uh, remove the shame, remove the guilt. There's actually nothing wrong with you. It's actually very normal. But what's what is your responsibility is to do something about it, right? Is to is to understand. Well, what can I strip away? And this is, you know, when we were thinking um, through a couple of ideas prepping for this this chat, I, I mentioned a, a concept called uh, via negativa, which, which is where you improve through subtraction. You take things away rather than add things on. Because human nature, we're always adding things on. We're always making things more complex. And this is this is why that old proverb of the answer lying in plain sight comes from. Because mm. the, the answer is always right in front of you, but we end up adding all these things on, believing that you know we need to resolve that pain of uncertainty that pain of not knowing because you know the brain built for certainty 
and we live in a world which is completely random and uncertainty, you know, a, a meteor could drop out of the sky and squash us right now. We don't know that. So we live this conflicted existence where we're seeking certainty in a very uncertain life. And business, guess what's more uncertain than starting a business and, you know, not knowing exactly what the future holds? That's actually a real challenge to the way the brain works. So it's no wonder we're always looking for things to fix short-term solutions that don't necessarily serve us long-term, if that makes sense. Makes complete sense. And it also, it's my... In my own home, Bianca, my wife, she's an accountant. Don't hold that against her. But it's like she very much thrives in structure. Like it's not a necessarily a prison for her. It's like in her corporate life she was quite successful because she was like that worked for her where it wouldn't work for me at all. Like I was – I, I did it would, the idea of walking in a corporate and having to be that level of restricted would work against me. So what I'm curious about here in, in your experience – it seems that some people are like wired to be more one or the other, right? Or to a degree. Now, how malleable is this though? So is someone who is thriving in that corporate structure in this example, is it learnable and workable to be someone that can handle more uncertainty? Or is this like a caffeine thing where you build a tolerance and eventually, you know, eight cups a day, we're fine? <laughs> like, Or is this something we develop as a skill in using someone like yourself and the things you teach? It's definitely a – so th this is the good news, right? It, it is one of the breakthroughs of modern neuroscience, right, that the brain is constantly remapping itself on a second-by-second, moment-by-moment basis based on all of the inputs that we get through our senses, sight, smell, sound, uh, etc. So the brain is constantly being remapped based on every experience that we have. So if you understand that, then it's not that big a step to knowing that, okay, if we want to change our trajectory, if we want to change the way we interact with uncertainty, what are the things that we need to learn? Now, one of the things, Charlie, that generally, what did you say? You said, is it nature or nurture or words to that effect? Now, yes, if I could just split this up and maybe explain it a little bit. So the, the, the nature part, yes, we, we are all gifted with this amazing human brain, this miraculous piece of evolution that allowed human beings to separate from all the other primates and come up with a a rational brain, the tumour that grew over the emotional brain that gave us self-awareness and the capacity to think about the past, the present and the future. No other animal thinks about the past, the present or the future. It's only human beings. So it's an incredible skill that we have that has fostered, you know, you know, the great growth of civilization over the centuries. However, it also comes with a bit of a curse, which is when you come to things like trading, it actually works completely against you. So we've got this great nature that we can utilise, but then you've got nurture. And I, I talked about this on a recent podcast about the effects of childhood emotional conditioning and previous trauma. And when I use the word trauma, I don't mean that you came from a war zone or you suffered abuse necessarily. Trauma could be being bullied at school. Trauma could be having a divorce amongst your parents at a young age, and and this left you with a feeling of powerlessness, right? I mean, I've worked with a lot of people who are successful, but they live their life under the constant belief that it's all going to be taken away from them. 
right? We hear that all the time about this yep. idea that the business is just going to disappear. It's, what a stressful life I certainly life to felt live. it as well. Well, there's a time when that's possibly true in the early days, but I, I've worked with people that have got all the money and success they could ever use, and yet they still believe that it's all going to be taken away. And that's because at some point in their childhood, they had it conditioned into them that that you're powerless, you have no control, and this sticks with them for life. And until you unravel that, until your question, Charlie, and rebuild or recondition those memories is what I would call it, um, or you might call it... Um, you know, you know, reimagining past experiences and giving them new meaning. That's how you teach the brain to when it interacts with the current circumstances, because that's what the brain does. It it's always searching for something in the past that's similar to what's happening now. That's how the brain works at a neuro neurological level. So if you can rebuild the pathways in the brain, so that that connect to those past experiences, you can change the way you react to the current circumstances. This is really the deep work that I do with traders to teach can, them can that's we, mindset reflexology, one? right? Can we unpack one? So in the example you've just given there, the mm -hmm. idea being uh, there's a stove with the jet on, it's a gas stove. Someone puts their hand over it, they get burnt. That's an experience. In future, when they see that, they go, right, well, I'm not going to do that because I know that leads to a burnt hand. Right. So that's like an experience is formed and like that's the idea that we're using it for our survival. Now, to change that into a different example, um, a story we've told many a few times on the podcast now is that uh, my parents had some money challenges in very formative years of my life, which then led to me being, well, very, very uh, scared of money and a huge fear of money and it had massive uh, consequences in my business because I was never wanting to invest, always scared. And eventually when I did some of this work and I was able to see, well, the reason I'm so good with money today is because of that, if my if we didn't have those challenges in my youth, I probably wouldn't be in business today or have had the success I've had. I suddenly felt very different about that and that's what actually enabled my ability to be able to invest. Is that a, a way of thinking about this here? Are these the types of things that come up and then the work you do with mindset reflexology is creating those types of bridges for people? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, what we want to get to is uh, – unconscious competence, right? So we want to go from, uh, you know, this mental block to the ultimate outcome, which is unconscious competence. And I would describe unconscious competence as like when you've been driving a car for many years, you don't have to think about everything. You've built unconscious competence, which is you're constantly uh, looking out into the environment, traffic, people, lights, conditions, weather, the road, is there someone walking out from behind a car? Now, compare how you can do that now to when you first got your license. It's such a massive effort to consciously think about all the inputs and trying to make decisions. That's why, you know, people are so vulnerable early on in their driving life to threat and danger. Now, it happens also with the stove example. It happens with your investing example. You don't go in one step from there to there, but you can indoctrinate and slowly change the way that you default, the way that you respond to, um, you know, your past beliefs. And you can change those past beliefs to be empowering rather than limiting. And I, that's obviously what you've done, Charlie. 
So, you know, congratulations on that. I guess the next the next probably challenge is at what point do you move from that belief system to a, enough's enough? As so soon as North Korea don't have the nukes, we're good. <laughs> I'm back in the game. <laughs> well, you know, this is where this is the world we live in, where catastrophizing things is what happens in the political sphere and the media sphere. I mean, if it bleeds, it leads, right? You know, so that's right. That's that's human nature. We know that trauma and and pain, you know, attracts people's attention far more than than good news, and there's a reason for that because we have a survival instinct. Our primary purpose. In life, above and beyond everything else, is to survive. Everything is driven by your six and a half million years of evolution, which is survive, 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 survive. Everything is a threat to your brain. Everything, right? Yeah, I like I like that concept. I guess my question is, Charlie, we speak to a lot of business owners and it always comes back to money. In, in what you're saying, Ash, is the survival or the problem to the point you were making previously, is that always around money? Like do we just see that the money is the survival mechanism? Because I'd argue mm. most of what behaviours that I have done or Charlie, you have worked on trying to improve has been around this money concept. Mm. Yeah, money's been huge for me. Like, like the it, pressure to earn, like I've definitely had that at times that in, in – to use the trading example in like someone who looks back and go, what was I thinking? <laughs> like I go back and go, I've made some really dumb moves in business, but when I look at the intent, it was like the pressure to earn. I felt compelled to take this action to make money. Hmm. Um, so th- this is the way the brain works, Grant, is it is it does not separate money from life. If money is at risk to an uncertain outcome to your brain, that's a threat to life, right? It just so happens trading is the pointy end of the spear with that, right? But it does happen in other parts of life. Well, this is where a lot of people, you know, have have a very powerful set of limiting beliefs around money. So money represents something. It's not money per se. And this is why more money doesn't make people more happy. There is a certain point. Of course, past the point of survival and paying your bills and and being content, but more money beyond that never makes people happier because all they've done is remove the threat to life, right? They haven't actually reconfigured their internal world to find happiness elsewhere. So this is probably the point I was making, you know, to you, Charlie. This is what I think where people should, I guess, look to do some work around their belief system, which is how do you regard money? What happened in your past life that is feeding through to now that's driving you um, either to push yourself and become a busyness addict or a hustle addict, right? We see this absolutely prosecuted, you know, through whether it's, your, you know, your Gary Vaynerchuks of the world and <laughs> others. Pop it up. <laughs> right? He, but he's a, he's a great success in his own way. But it's a really dangerous message, I think, that the way to succeed is to outwork everybody. Right now, that might be okay if you're training for the hundred meters, right? And you do, you've got to put the work in, right? But it's always the mental game that separates the peak performers from the other ones that just try really hard. Okay, so it's the same with money, right? It's the same if you can change the way you think about money you can change the way that you think about your 
identity in the world and your self-worth, and this is a big one, guys, right? We're all born inherently worthy, right? This is the thing that I teach people is you've got to separate your sense of worth from your achievements, right? Because so many people attach their achievements to their identity and their sense of worth, right? You're all worthy. You're born with the same level of worth. That doesn't change throughout your whole life. You're all inherently worthy. You don't become more worthy because you won a gold medal. You're no more worthy. You don't become less worthy because you had a business that got bankrupted because things didn't go your way. That doesn't make you less worthy. You're still exactly the same level of worth. So that's a, an interesting concept, don't you think? But it takes a lot of work to actually change people's belief systems around that, particularly if they've had it since they were five years old and it's been drilled into them about work hard, work hard, study hard, acquire knowledge, progress up the ladder. You see, all of these messages build a mindset of my identity and worth is completely manacled to my progress in life, whatever field I'm in. You understand that that's, this is one of the things that I've worked really hard at a personal level and I work with clients is to separate my sense of worth from my competency in whatever endeavor I'm pursuing. That's trading 101. You, you've got to separate your performance from your identity. Performance is just testing your competency. It doesn't make you a better or worse person. Right? Once you get to that level, you're very close to mastery. And I think it's the same applies to business, if I'm being honest, or any anything in life. I want to jump in on this one, Ash. I'd love your thoughts on this. I, I've been very challenged by this. Um, it turns out a lot of my drive in life was linked to a, a inner idea that I'm not enough and that if I keep achieving things, eventually I'll be enough. Now, I learned this concept. Like Someone told me, it's like, hey, Charlie, you're doing this? And I can even agree that I was doing it. But then what occurred for me is like, I'm like, well, why would I want to turn this off? It's getting me all the results. If I suddenly don't have this desire to fulfill this enoughness, what am I going to do all day? Meditate? Like just hang out in the backyard? Like, what, like but, uh, what's but, going to get me started? Good question, Charlie. It's actually a really, really powerful question. It's something that, um, as you know, I, uh, you know, with the other business I'm involved in, we, we've got 100 plus uh, business owners that we coach. And particularly from my perspective, a lot of it's around mindset. And I ask people about their vision. Oh, you know, where do you want to be in a year, three years, five years? Oh, I want to have my business that works with or without me, right? So, you know, it makes me my half a million dollars a year without having to work on the tools, so to speak. So shifting people from being self-employed to owning a business is shifting away from you generating the revenue to having a business that other people generate the revenue and you make a profit from the margin. And then the next question is always, well, how do you see your life when you've got nothing to do? I don't know. <laughs> right? So that's what I mean. <laughs> I, I, love I don't know. So, um, you know, so that's a great, I, I love that journey with people, right, to explore what am I like without my work, right? What am I like? What would I do if I didn't have to get up at six o'clock and go for a jog and then get to the office or do whatever it is that I do, what what would I be like? And this is really, really interesting because so many people uh, have a level of inner conflict about this, like bitching, moaning, complaining, oh, I wish more time with the kids, more time doing this, I wish I could have more holidays, I wish I didn't have to work so hard, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is all fair enough, right? But 
then when I challenged them about, well, if you didn't have to do any of those things, what would you do? Uh, well, Ash, I had this I moment. I, um, I actually I hit, I hit, um, set a goal to become financially independent. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then I hit it. And then when I didn't have to get up, like I don't have to get up and go to work or do business or anything, um, I was incredibly challenged, incredibly challenged. And it made me feel awkward and uncomfortable in a, in a very big way because all these have-tos turned into like optional, it's get-tos. Mm. So I had to very much reconstruct and choose what I want to do. Um, and I had a massive amount of fear of like just not being driven or having my edge and all these things that had served me very well in the chase of that pursuit. Now, um, I think it's a really fascinating people thing for people to consider, though, because beliefs play such a key role in this. But I want to shift uh, the question here because I think this is uh, really interesting. For the business owner that's out there listening to this podcast right now and hopefully starting to uh, recognize some of the things we're talking about, how do they begin to identify this in themselves, like their own psychology? Like where does this journey of discovery going, well, maybe there's something happening that happened when I grew up that is affecting me, but I can't, how do I know? Where was it? Like maybe it isn't as obvious as mine was. Yeah, that's a good question. And look, there's a bit of a process. I mean, I I teach a couple of things. You know, one of them is breathing as part of emotional regulation, but really mindfulness is the one that I'm the most interested in. I don't know your, your approach to mindfulness, um, Charlie, but mindfulness is the ability to separate thought from self, right? So most people believe that their thoughts and their identity are indivisible from each other. They're the single phenomena. And one of the greatest discoveries you'll ever make in your life is to realize that they're not. Thoughts are a product of your belief system, right? And your belief system is a product of your conditioning as a child, right? So these things, and then, you know, thought is simply your emotional patterns given voice in your head, right? So we have this inner voice talking to us constantly. I guarantee you, both of you and every single person listening to this podcast has got part of their brain that's listening and part of their brain is talking to them the whole time, chattering away to them about whatever, right? That, That inner voice is something that mindfulness you, you, you've used the word meditation. I tend to separate me- meditation and mindfulness a little bit. Mindfulness is meditative, but it's the ability to train yourself to separate thought from self so you can become the observer of yourself. That's really the key learning and the key skill to open the door to the mind. And once you've opened the door to the mind, then you can go in and have a look at, well, What's the committee of my mind look like? I mean, who's battling who at the board table of my mind, right? And I guarantee you, once you get in there, it'd be like, oh, you know, fear's winning or aggression's winning, you know, or sabotage is winning. So once you can get in there and see what's going on, then you know what you're dealing with. Then you know what you've got to work on. And that's when you probably need help, Um, maybe to get there, but also to then reconstruct your potential. I'm a bit of belie- and I'll be a bit controversial here. I don't think it's controversial, but I'm a big believer in the, the quantum physics of potential. Like reality is simply the observer of potential giving it, um, g- giving it uh, or bringing it to life. So we, we are simply observing potential through our belief systems, and what we see is a reflection of what we believe. 
So if you want to change your reality, you've got to change your belief system so that you start to create a new reality. And that's not metaphysical. That's that's actually where I'm really excited about where we are in 2022. You know, that neuroscience and science have really caught up with what, you know, the mindfulness yogis for 4,000 years have known, right? Which is, right? They've known it for a long time, but it's taken a long time for science to catch up by figuring out how the brain actually works to understand, okay, this this shit actually works, right? You can quote me on that, right? That's a very <laughs> scientific analysis. This shit actually works, right? It's very powerful. Oh, very it's incredibly powerful. I just want to unpack what you just said there briefly before Grant jumps in on a question here. Is this the idea that if I get in the car with uh, Bianca and we go for a drive, I see property investment, like my beliefs and thoughts are, ah, oh, that house, what's the yield? And she's driving around going, be nice to raise a family there. That one, like, so this is like we're both looking at the same house, but because of our belief systems and thought patterns and everything, this is where that the potential we see in that as the observer is playing out. Like, is that a an example yeah, that would absolutely, relax? absolutely, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It's amazing how you know how the human brain works and how our unconscious motivators work. Um, I like to spend a lot of time with people to really understand what drives them from the ground up, and often they don't know it about themselves. That's why I call them unconscious motivators. Hey, Grant, do you know yours? Just curiously. <laughs> oh, my God, uh, I mind. <laughs> yeah, you, look, I, 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 I'll do a bit of um, Jedi ninja on your head one day, Charlie, and uh, when I do this with people, right, generally the response is, oh, holy crap, nailed it, right, which is so – what, what do they say? You know, they've said this, you know, th- them, whoever they are for, for centuries, is if you want to understand the world, understand yourself, right? You know, if you want to change anything, change yourself. You can't change anything on the outside without changing what's on the inside, right, which is a bit of a glib statement, true but glib. So people will well, how do I do that? What do I do, right? And that's that's when you dive into that process using mindfulness as the doorway to the mind once we open up that doorway then we can have a look at what's going on in there and then we can bring forth other parts of the potential and have those be the ones that you default to under pressure now this is really getting into the deep work right is that's what auto response work or reflexology is about it's about teaching yourself with help to respond differently under pressure so you don't have to consciously think about how you respond. And I, I used the driving example before. When you've been driving for 10 years, you don't consciously think. You automatically respond at an unconscious level to the constant flow of activity around you. But when you're learning, it's very hard to consciously think through all of the inputs you're receiving. So to take this to a business owner level or to anyone's level is you know, to teach yourself the skill of responding differently under pressure. And that's what business ownership's about. Like anyone can make good decisions when you've got lots of time to think about it and there's no pressure. But it's how you perform when your chips are on the table in the clutch moments. That's what defines um, peak performance as opposed to uh, conceptual understanding, right? And that's teaching yourself. I... I, I, um, interesting quick little story i went rock climbing 
Well, when I say I went rock climbing, I went and watched other people go rock climbing, <laughs> just to be clear, at uh, a place here in Western Victoria called Mount Aripolis. It's a bit of a rock climbing haven. I went camping with my son and hiking. But I, 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 I talked to a couple of these rock climbers and I formed this opinion, gee, you know what? Rock climbing is very, very similar to trading because on the side of that mountain, when you're attached to the cliff face with a little piece of rope and a, and a carabiner, that's the only thing between you and death. You cannot allow your mind to drift to the outcome. What if I fall? Or what's it going to be like when I get to the top? You cannot think about those things. You must be able to perform in the moment, moment by moment, managing your emotional state so you're constantly able to calmly execute your skills that you've taught yourself. That's the defining, that's the defining skill that you need in rock climbing, that you need in trading, that you need in business, that you need in life, is the ability to calmly execute what you know under pressure. So for people listening to this, the, we've spoken about the mindfulness and potentially meditation, etc. Are they the best first steps? So someone's listening to this and like, Ash, I'm, I'm all in. Like imagine that a business owner, because I would argue that almost every single person on the face of the planet has some kind of limiting belief and that's where they should go for, whether or not they think so or not. What's the first step? Like, where, where should they go? Cool, finish up the podcast, which we'll do in, in a minute. Now what do I do? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a good question and it's, it is different for different people and mindfulness is a great skill, but mindfulness without understanding where it fits in the, in the bigger path that you're on um, is not necessarily where you would start. Uh I, I tell you one of the things that I teach people as a starting point, and this is starting from a standing start, right? So you're stressed. This whole concept doesn't make sense to you. Oh, but I'm prepared to, I'll do anything, right? So I'm at that do anything stage. So what do I do? So I teach people a thing called a situational gratitude. I don't know whether you've ever heard that term before. I don't know whether I made it up or whether I stole it from someone else, but I'm claiming it. Take it. Take it. Situational gratitude. And this, there's a real reason for this. So I teach people the the, the skill of well, why, why wait till the end of the day to be grateful? Because, you know, everyone talks about gratitude, keep a journal, you know, which has value, yes, but why only do it once a day? Why not train yourself and train your brain to reinterpret moments of stress and conflict and pressure in your day-to-day life. Because this happens a hundred times a day. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Some politician says something that triggers you. Your partner says something that upsets you. Your kids play up. The person at the supermarket, you know, takes 10 minutes to make their card work in front of you. What's going on in your brain? You are triggering through fight flight to a certain response. So I teach people when that happens, I want you to immediately stop, immediately stop yourself and go, right, what is there f- for me to be grateful for in this situation? What can I learn about myself in this situation? So instead of flipping the bird to the driver who cut you off and abusing them, maybe you could you, maybe you could teach yourself, oh, you know, I, act- I, I actually have the opportunity now to learn a bit more about myself and to change the way I respond to being triggered, just at a little micro level, right? Those opportunities exist all day, every day for every human being on the planet. That's a great way without really knowing why you're doing it necessarily. Um, 
because sometimes the danger with this stuff, Grant, is because it becomes really big and macro and people get lost in the complexity and, and lost in understanding all of this stuff. So sometimes you've got to bring it back to the next step. What's the next step without having to know everything? What's the very yeah. next step, right? And for me, the very next step is, yes, do some mindfulness once or twice a day. Just practice sitting still and trying to observe your own thoughts. It takes work because there's so many distractions. And I think if you're going to do that, don't try and block out thought. One of the things I teach, you know, and plenty of other teachers before me have done the same thing, and that is accept your thoughts, be vulnerable, be open. Don't try and block them. This is what people do, right, particularly men, right, is they think the way to progress is by the avoidance or blocking of emotion, right? All that does is bury the problem deeper and it will get you eventually. But if you open yourself up through mindfulness to observing your thoughts, it gives you the chance to work on them. Then you've got a chance to get better, right? So you, if you combine a little bit of that with a little bit of situational gratitude and just start to acclimatize yourself to doing this, it starts to have a cumulative effect grant. And one of the things with peak performance is that I think a lot of people fall off this is they expect quick results. The thing with success and performance is it accumulates in the background, right? It doesn't show up immediately. And this is why people don't stick at things. That's why resolutions don't work because major long-term change accumulates in the background. It doesn't show up on a day-to-day -day basis. So people give up, right? So situational gratitude will accumulate in the background. And then when you step into some more deeper work, you've already started the journey in the right direction. That's how I would answer that question. I hope that isn't too complex. No, I love it. But I will say this, Ash, it's very likely and hopefully you'll want to come back on the podcast to discuss more of these things. I know we're pressing up against another appointment here. So before we do end this one, if people want to see more of what you do and understand more of these topics, which I would encourage, what's the best place for them to come and uh, learn more? Well, there's probably two, two places, uh, Charlie. One would be my YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and type in Mindset Reflexology, That'll bring you to the trading and psychology mindset uh, show. That's where all of this stuff, I, I put all my stuff on there. Uh, or on LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn is where I, yeah, I sort of use it as my personal blog, if you like. So I, I put a lot of content on LinkedIn and that's the way to contact me as well. If anybody wants to contact me, just go to LinkedIn and DM me and um, always willing to jump on and have a chat with anybody who wants to just um, explore this a little bit further. Awesome, Ash. And I will say, I'm loving the YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to link to both of them where we released this episode. Um, some of the topics for people, just so you know, it's, even though it is trading psychology, that you could relabel this business owner psychology. You honestly could. is like the concepts and things within this aren't specific to trading, although it's an excellent example. I love it as the example because it's simple to understand, you know, buying and selling stuff. So you can really relate it back to business where that is uh, applicable. Anyway, Ash, thank you for coming onto the podcast. We'll put those links in the description. Check it out, guys. I'm going to wrap this one up from here. Big, big thank you for everyone to tuning in.